Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Uh, This is a very big, important month because it is National Epilepsy Month, and, and here we are coming to the end, but that's because we saved the best. For last, and that is my friend, who I love so much. I'm biased, I'll tell you up front, uh, but a national champion. I would have to say, if you had to do a survey in the United States and say, who would you say is the national champion for epilepsy? Hands down, it's going to be former Congressman Tony Coelho. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. Very nice of you. I appreciate that. And all your listeners should know, as you said, you love me, so you have a right to be biased and prejudiced, and I love it. I, and I will be, and I am. Um, and, and, Tony, I, I know we have so many uh, new listeners since our show has really taken off. I thought maybe it would be a good idea, uh, if you don't mind, sharing your story with the listeners. I'm happy to, Joyce. Um, the, you know, I... I don't want to go too long on this, but basically it started off when I was 16 and I was um, working milking cows actually on my family's dairy farm. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, next thing I knew, I woke up, I was in my bed. My brother had carried me to the house and I had a doctor um, there and my parents and my brothers there and so forth. And... I couldn't talk, but I could hear, and they were talking about uh, all different types of things and and uh, so forth. And then when I could hear, I asked what was going on, and they said, um, well, uh, it was Dr. Smith, Paul Smith. He said, um, uh, we don't know, and uh, but we'll, we'll uh, definitely find out for you. So I, uh, next morning... I got up and milked cows again and milked cows that afternoon and and kept on going and then started going to doctors. Um, Dr. Paul Smith, basically, uh, I I didn't go back to, uh, and I later found out why. Um, My family felt that if you had epilepsy, uh, you were possessed by the devil. And this is part of a cultural thing uh, and also uh, that... They're very devout Catholics, and they believed the church and believed uh, what had been practiced in the Portuguese culture. And it's a problem that still exists today in a lot of different countries in the world and and in a lot of different cultures, the stigma that epilepsy has. Um, But my family believed it, and uh, so I didn't go back to Dr. Smith because he said I had epilepsy. Uh, Then... um, and I didn't know it, by the way. And then I went to three other doctors who uh, my family said none of them knew what it was. I suspect they all said it was epilepsy. Uh, then uh, after that, they were kind of disgusted with medical care, so I went to witch doctors. And it was as a, uh, at that point, as a 17-year-old, um, it was uh, frightening to go to a witch doctor uh, you go in, they put you in a dark room, candles burning, put a candle on your uh, chest uh, burning, and then take hot oil and pour it on your forehead and pour it on your chest and then speak uh, in different languages, uh, prayers, I guess. Um, and then it was over with. And, of course, uh, those darn evil spirits didn't go away. Um, and I, after the third one, I finally said to my family that I would not go to any more witch doctors because I didn't believe, and I would not uh, go to any more. They weren't too happy with that at all, um, but I continued having my seizures. And then I, uh, my high school superintendent urged me to go away to college, and so I went to Los Angeles, which is about 400 miles south of central California, and I... Uh, went uh, to Loyola University, which is a Jesuit college, which I absolutely love. Fell in love with the Jesuits, fell in love with the college, 
the atmosphere. They're very tough uh, uh, educationally and intellectually and, and uh, forced you to think for yourself and so forth. So I loved it there. And I got very active and became student body president. I was class president at one point, social chairman, outstanding senior when I graduated. And in my end of my junior year, um, I decided that when Kennedy got assassinated, President Kennedy got assassinated, that instead of going to be a trial lawyer, I decided I wanted to become a, um, uh, do something that uh, helped people, that, um, um, that I could really be engaged in. And after a while, I decided that I wanted to become a priest. Now, as I jokingly say, and Joyce has heard this a lot, uh, that my girlfriend of five years was not too happy, and <laughs> my fraternity brothers uh, knew better, but it's what I wanted. And um, so it was uh, announced by the university, and everybody was excited as I was. I went for my physical, and um, the doctor, after doing a lot of exams, said to me, he said, uh, have you ever, ever had any passing out spells or headaches or anything like that? And I said, oh, yeah, all the time for the last uh, six years, five years. And he said... Um, was anybody ever said that you have epilepsy? And I said, um, I don't know what the word is. I've never heard it. And so he described what epilepsy was. And he said, that's what you have. And he said, I can get you medication to reduce maybe the numbers, the severity of it or whatever, uh, and that uh, will help you. Um, but uh, besides that, there's some good news and bad news. The good news is you're... 4F, which means that you can't serve in the military because of my epilepsy. And number two, the bad news is that you can't be a Catholic priest uh, because um, canon law established in 400 AD said that if you have epilepsy or possessed by the devil, uh, you can't be a priest. And um, I was fine with that. Um, I had a lot of job offers uh, when I graduated and so uh, I was more excited about the fact that I was getting some medication, because I'd been on none, getting some medication that could help me with these uh, passing out spells, these seizures. And um, so uh, I called my parents to say that um, I was had this exam and that I was happy about uh, the results. And their reaction was uh, immediate and firm, that no son of ours has epilepsy. You're with a bunch of crazy people down there in Los Angeles. You've got to get home immediately. And uh, said no. And, um, and that, that ended, is so terrible. Yeah, that ended our relationship for about 20 years. Um, and then uh, I, in a few days, uh, I got a notice from the Department of Motor Vehicles that I'd lost my driver's license, I couldn't drive. Now, if you're in Los Angeles and you're uh, 17, 18 years old, uh, no, excuse me, I'm 21 now. Uh, if you're 21 years old in Los Angeles, you have a car, what are you going to do? You're going to drive anyway, so I did. Oh, and that, my. That was not too smart, but I did. It was the only way I could get around. And uh, I then started going to interviews for these offers that I'd gotten, and in every application there was the word epilepsy, and I marked it, and I didn't even get uh, an interview, um, and I realized all of a sudden that epilepsy was a bigger thing than I thought, and uh, I then uh, got a job working in a liquor store, uh, and I then, I only worked there two weeks because I could not uh, sell small bottles of bourbon uh, or whiskey and, or whatever uh, to uh, little old ladies on Social Security that were using their Social Security money to buy liquor. I, I just couldn't do it. So I quit, and I couldn't find another job. So I started drinking, and I went to Griffith Park in Los Angeles, which is a huge park there. And there's uh, uh, hills there, and I thought they were mountains because when you're drinking, you think everything's big. And so uh, I would go to this mountaintop, and I'd get drunk, 
and very depressed. And one day when I'm there on the mountaintop and depressed, um, I had become suicidal, and I had decided that that was it. Uh, there was nothing to live for because everything that I'd ever loved in my life, my family, uh, my church, God, I'd all, in my view, turned against me. And I didn't know where to turn or what to do. And um, so I was uh, ready to end my life. Then all of a sudden, um, something came over me. And I don't can't describe it except to tell you that it was... Um, I, all of a sudden, I heard merry-go-round music. And there's a merry-go-round at the bottom of that hill. And uh, little kids getting off and on the merry-go-round, laughing and merry-go-round music and so forth. And to this day, when I hear merry-go-round music, I think of that very moment. And a, a voice came over me, um, and it said, basically, uh, you're going to be just like those little kids. You're never going to let anybody or any anything ever stop you from pursuing what you want. And it was just, you know, an awakening for me. Um, uh, I've never been depressed again. I've never uh, been suicidal again. Um, I just knew that I could do it. I was back to my old self that I could succeed. Um, and so about a week later, I'm at the fraternity house, and, and uh, a week later, a priest friend of mine, um, a Jesuit, um, said, I have an opportunity for you. Um, and that would be living with the Bob Hope family um, and uh, so forth. And I was, of course, excited. And for some of you on the line, I'm sure you're too young to know, but Bob Hope... Uh, was a very famous uh, TV comedian uh, and at the time had the Bob Hope Chrysler Comedy Hour. But I lived with him in the house, uh, uh, he and his family, and uh, ate meals with him, traveled with him, and so forth. He came very, very close to him. As a matter of fact, in the autobiography that was just done called Hope, um, I mentioned in there about um, my relationship with him. And... And during that time that I was there, uh, he was so good to me and, and questioned me and so forth and so on. Um, now, you should know that uh, Mrs. Hope was Catholic, Catholic Mother of the Year, many, many years. And, and he was Episcopalian and promised to become a Catholic before he died, and he did on his deathbed. But, but the, he, he was questioning what I wanted. And so one day he says to me, he says, Tony... Um, you think you have a ministry and it only can be practiced in a church. Uh, the facts are is that a true ministry can be practiced uh, in sports, in entertainment, in business, in government. And where you belong is in politics. That's where you belong. And he says, I'm saying to work for a congressman or a senator, and you'd be perfect there. And that would be your ministry. So I had not thought about it before. Or I thought about it. Thought about it. Wrote a letter to my congressman who I didn't know. And Joyce, I know I've told you this before, but I, the letter, when I look back at it, basically said, "You lucky devil, here I am. I'm ready to help you." And um, and I, he came out to Los Angeles for an event he was having, and we were supposed to meet about 50. And then um, it ended up with he spent about 45 minutes with him, and he left and said, "I'll get back in touch with you." But I knew I had the job. I just knew it. I my was back totally, and and um, I uh, left there knowing I had the job. I went to work for him for 14 years. He became my father, in effect. His wife became my mother, and we were very, very close. Um, and when uh, I became his chief of staff, he had me do all kinds of stuff for him, and, and um, then when he decided to retire, I took his place, and I decided that when I... Uh, was in Congress. I wanted to do agriculture work for my district and water issues for my district, but that my passion was going to be disabilities and epilepsy. And so I would offer amendments with disabilities and epilepsy and decided one day that, you know what, that doesn't really help because um, 
if we don't have our basic rights, then we have nothing. We're treated as second-class citizens. We can be kicked out of restaurants. We can be kicked out of movie theaters. We can be denied a job openly because we have epilepsy or openly because we have a disability. Um, it was all legal. So that's when I introduced the ADA and we got it through. So I've been blessed, Joyce. I, um, I, uh, I thank God for my epilepsy because it made me a better person. It made me get to know myself, what my strengths are and my abilities are. And I thank God every day that um, if it went for epilepsy, I wouldn't, be, uh, wouldn't have done what I've done over these years. So uh, I still have seizures. I have seizures. I've had seizures now for 50 years. I'm 74, and I still have seizures. Um, but I'm a, uh, a very happy person with what, is, what I've gone through over these years. Wow. You know what? I've heard this story I don't know how many times, many times, because I've known Tony for a very long time, like 1996, something like that, and there isn't one time I've heard that story that it did not impact me or that I did not pick up some, you know, some little new thing, like I never knew the name of the doctor until today. So that's what I mean. There's always something you tell that uh, I did not know. But I have to say one thing. Thank God you did not take your life because look what would have happened. It would have been a whole different world. Um, And by the way, he may be 74, but let me tell you, he could outwork and outdo uh, 25-year-olds. So, like, don't be thinking he's old, decrepit. He is far from that. He is constantly too much. On the move, and with that, I think we have a caller on the line. Andy, are you on the line? Yes, hi Joyce, I'm here. Hi Andy. Hi Andy. And by the way, this is Andy Imperato, uh, Executive Director of AUCD. Uh, go ahead, Andy. Yeah, Joyce, I, I just wanted to thank Tony, especially during Epilepsy Month, but really for everything that he's done. He talked about the role that Bob Hope played for him, and I just think about all the people that Tony has been a critical mentor and advisor for in and outside of the disability community for so long, and I'm certainly one of them. Um, So, Tony, I thank you for your leadership. I thank you for being a mentor and a role model for all of us in the disability community and for, for your work on the Americans with Disabilities Act, on the ADI Amendments Act, on the CRPD ratification, on employment of people with disabilities, we would not be where we are as a movement without you and your leadership, and I'm really just calling to thank you. Thank you, Andy. Uh, and, you know, you know, and I let all Joyce visitors, listeners know, that I think the same about you. Um, I've loved working with you and and you and I became very close, and uh, I just love our relationship. I might say something here, Joyce, about what Andy just said, in that when I lived with Hope, and I, uh, the day I left him, um, he uh, said, you know, you're not right about your, your uh, uh, stay with us and, and uh, so forth. And I said, of course, I would never consider that. And... Um, and then he said, um, uh, you know that I've helped out a lot of people. Uh, the one condition was that if they ever talked about it, I'd never help them out again. And we talked about it, and I adopted that. And um, basically, I like to mentor and help people. Um, I don't really talk about it. They, uh, of course, can say something, but I just... I, I, I give back because Bob Hope gave so much to me, became such a role model for me that I love doing it. So thank you, Andy, for And Andy, thank you so much for calling in. Andy, could you just take one quick moment uh, and tell them what uh, your organization is? Sure. AUCD is the Association of University Centers on Disabilities, and this was a network that was created in the last bill that President Kennedy signed. And it was really to have universities do what they do, research and training and advocacy to try to improve quality of life 
for children and adults with disabilities. We started out focused on children with intellectual disabilities, many of whom also have epilepsy. And then over time, our network has broadened out and, and now is working on cross-disability issues and the full lifespan. But, uh, you know, it's a network that's been around for 50 years. And as somebody who's been working in this movement for a long time, I get inspired every time I visit one of our university centers just by the quality of the work that they're doing and their commitment to really moving the needle on employment, getting better education outcomes, better quality of life, and more self-determination for people with lifelong and complex disabilities. Well, uh, the website is? It's AUCD.org. Thank you, George. You're you're a great friend and promoter. (laughs) Well, you know what? I love Andy. Uh, He is a great national leader, and check that out. And, Andy, thank you for calling in. Thank you, Andy. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, we have another caller on the line. Uh, Is the caller on the line right now? Go ahead. Hello, this is Susan Escueta from the Epilepsy uh, Foundation in Los Angeles, and I heard you had Tony Coelho on, on, on the uh, line with you today, and I just can't express enough how much he means to us in California who have worked many years for the epilepsy cause, and Tony's worked longer than all of us. So thank you, Tony, for all you've done for epilepsy. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate that very much. I appreciate your calling in. Very nice of you. Susan, it's so nice to hear your voice. Um, And she also uh, is the head of the affiliate in California, and she has done so much for so many people living with epilepsy. Uh, So thank you for calling in, Susan. Well, I think we all agree that Tony sets the bar high for all of us, so all we can do is strive to... Be like Tony. <laughs> That's right. So and it's a you, high Tony. bar. Thank you. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Susan. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, Tony, I'll tell you what. Every time I have you on here, I'm thinking, okay, now if I get to ask four questions, I'll, I'll be lucky. So I'm going to try to move ahead and ask another question before someone else um, gets on. You mentioned, Tony, that you still have seizures um, I wanted to ask you, what normally is the reaction of people that do not know you if you have a seizure? Well, obviously, uh, people are, are frightened when I uh, pass out um, and don't know what to do or expect. And um, generally, I, when I have a seizure, there's somebody around me that knows of me or knows me or knows my reputation in regards to disabilities. And, um, and, but they will call the medics, of course, or fire department or whoever they call, emergency medical. And, and, um, and, and I was one time out in, in a hotel in Washington, D.C. at lunch. This is after I'd left Congress. And I was having lunch with uh, Dick Gephardt, who was the... Um, um, minority leader at the time, and he, um, just the two of us in this fancy hotel, and I flipped over backwards, um, landed up, of course, on the floor, and the crowd, um, I was out, but when I woke up, the crowd was all around me, and, and Dick was saying, it's okay, it's okay, he, he has epilepsy, just had a seizure is all, he'll be fine, he'll be fine, and everybody was, you know, dead quiet, it was a noisy room, but always dead quiet. They didn't uh, say much after that. And then the, the firemen came in with their hats on, their hatchets on their back and everything to, to make sure I was okay and insisted that uh, they take me to the hospital. I insisted I had a right not to go. And ultimately they insisted that I... Uh, sign a waiver saying that I wouldn't go, and I did. But I wouldn't go to the hospital. But it was the, you know, the thing I remember the most, even uh, about people that love me and know me very well, is the fear um, when they, uh, when I have a seizure, when I come out of the seizure, the fear 
and so forth. And uh, there's so much stigma that people believe so many things about uh, seizures and epilepsy that are primarily negative. And the concern that we have in the epilepsy movement is to try to educate people about the facts of, of epilepsy and, and see if we can impact that stigma so people realize that, um, you know, first off, of course, we're not possessed. But secondly, that um, we have our seizure and then we can function again. It's, it's a temporary thing and we can function again. Uh, seizure, uh, epilepsy is something you have. The seizure is something that you do or get. Um, and so it's, it's trying to get people to understand um, what uh, uh, epilepsy is, is, is a tough thing. But I, I, I um, always am very uh, conscious of the fear on people's faces when you wake up from a seizure. And I don't think it makes any difference if it's around people you don't know or people you know. Yes, and as everyone knows, I too have epilepsy, and boy, that is the... It's funny that if people know you, they say, oh, it's a seizure. If people don't know you, it's like mass hysteria. Um, And, you know, that doesn't help. For anyone listening, whenever you do that, it doesn't help. But uh, I I wanted to... uh, First of all, I just want to tell you, Tony... I know you already know this, but I want every, all my listeners to know this. I love this man so much, and he is my mentor. I always say he's my mentor. I'm his tormentor. But he is my mentor, and he has done so much. I would not be the person I am, and I would not be where I am if it were not for Tony. So when people call in and say, oh, he helped me, it's like this could be his vocation, being a mentor, which he has mentored so many people. Um, and, and one other thing I want to say, he walks the talk. I know him. I probably am one of the closest people to him, and I can tell you he is living this 24 by 7, helping people living with disabilities. And I know one big organization you impacted, Tony, was the Catholic Church. And I was wondering, uh, what is the situation today? If you're a priest with epile- if you have epilepsy, can you be a priest? Well, Joyce, uh, it's an interesting story because when I was uh, um, the whip in in the Congress uh, for the Democrats, uh, that's the third highest, highest position in the Congress, and I got to make a trip uh, internationally as a result of that and take a delegation with me. And so, of course, I wanted to go to Portugal because I was the highest-ranking Portuguese-American in the country um, and politically I ever had gotten that that far. And so, uh, obviously, go to Portugal. State visit, big deal. Um, The State Department wanted me to go to Morocco because the king of Morocco was working with the Portuguese government in regards to the Middle East, and they wanted me to uh, pass on some information and so forth and be of assistance with the Portuguese government uh, to the king. And so I agreed to do that. And then I got to pick the third country, and I, of course, chose the Vatican and wanted to see the Pope. And um, our government arranged for that. And so my delegation and I uh, go to the Vatican. Um, uh, In this room in the Vatican, the Pope walks in. We all stand up. Um, um, uh, He sits down. Uh, I go to the podium, and Joyce, you know this, my attitude is that when you have the podium, you should take advantage of the podium. So the uh, State Department and the Vatican had worked out uh, statements that I would make and that the Pope would make. This was Pope John Paul II, and that uh, each of us would make. So they were very boring uh, statements. So I read my very boring statement. And when I finished, uh, to the surprise of everybody, including my delegation and my wife, is I said, uh, Your Holiness, I have something personal that I need to tell you. And the minions around the room are going, rah, 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 and my delegation was looking at me like, please, 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 don't, don't mess this up. But I said I have something personal, and that is that as a young man, 
I decided that I wanted to become a Catholic priest. Uh, and I was denied entry. And the reason was is that, as, that I have epilepsy and that canon law established in 400 A.D. said that if you have epilepsy or possessed by the devil, uh, you can't be a priest. I think that's very unchristian of our church, and I wish you would look into it. And I sat down. He then gave his very boring speech, didn't acknowledge anything I said. Um, and then after that, uh, we all took pictures with him, hundreds of pictures, and um, we weren't allowed to have cameras, and they charged us $5 a photo, which is legit, I guess. Um, and I kept a bunch of photos, so everybody knows that I was one of those. Um, and uh, when we finished, we uh, left the room, the Phyllis and I escorted him to the door, and he turned to Phyllis and blessed her. Uh, and he turned to me, did not bless me, and he said, young man, I heard your comments, and walked off. Well, Joyce, in all honesty, I thought I was going straight to hell. I mean, I say, not being that blessed. Was, so. Yeah, wow. you, you were definitely, that would definitely be a scary moment right yeah. there. So I just, you know, that was it. I didn't, nothing I could do about it. Two years later, um, canon law was changed to permit uh, men with epilepsy to become priests. Now, I'm very, very careful here. I do not take credit for it. All I know is I'll take credit for my comments to the Pope. Whatever was happening at the time or whatever happened as after that, I don't know what it was. I do know I said what I said, and I have a picture showing me speaking to him. So I know what I did, and that made me feel so good. And when that decision was made to change that canon law, I was excited as heck. And I've gotten some letters from people uh, with epilepsy who have become priests thanking me for it. Um, and I, that made me feel good, but I, I stress that I cannot take credit because uh, I do not know if he did it because of me. But anyhow, it did happen. That's the way it is in the church today. Wow. That is something. Hey, Tony, we have a couple callers on the line. Um, I think the first caller, Donna, are you on the line? I am on. I am on. Hi, Hi Tony. Donna. This is Donna Stahut. Hi, Donna. You're great to call in. I appreciate it. I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. Uh, you know, I... I have known Tony uh, for many, many years, and, um, you know, I have, Tony, the greatest respect for you and everything that you've done for um, the entire disability community, but especially the community with epilepsy who has struggled for so many years, and um, and I just applaud you for that and applaud you for how you have worked um, tirelessly and given of yourself over and over again to promote um, the cause of um, these, uh, this disadvantaged population who has um, been under the radar screen for far too long. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. That means a lot to me. You know that. Um, it, is, it is my ministry. It is my passion. And um, I really feel that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I enjoy doing it. I... I as I said earlier on this call, um, I thank God for my epilepsy, and it's made me a stronger, different person, um, and I like that, of course. And, of course, that isn't true with, with um, everybody with epilepsy, but I think that if we uh, at some point are able to um, get rid of the stigma in some way, that it will help a lot of people be open about their epilepsy and the more people understand that that um, what it is and what it is not, um, the more those of us with epilepsy can live without uh, uh, fear of the stigma or, or people looking down on us because we have uh, seizures. Yeah, and that is so true. And I just want to say Donna Stallhut is the CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Texas, and here's another person that has just devoted her entire life to helping people who live with epilepsy. Uh, so, Donna, 
I applaud you also, and I thank you so much for calling in. You're very welcome. Thank you both. Okay, now, before I get on a roll here with you again, Tony, we have another caller on the line, and uh, is this Phil? Phil, are you on the line? I am, Joyce. Tony, hello. Hi, Phil. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. I just uh, wanted to say, first and foremost, the Pope did it because of you. So let's clear that up right away. <laughs> I, I believe that too, Phil. Uh, I do. I believe that too. And by the way, before you go any further, Phil Gatone is the CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation, and because of his personal life, really has uh, a passion about this. And he called in. I really wanted to talk to the First Lady, but hey, I can't have everything. So, Phil, go go ahead, Phil. Um, I know you yes, wanted you to talk to, to Tony. Yes, you have to settle for me, even though I know Jill sends her love to you and Tony uh, to you as well. And your listeners, Joyce, I think really need to understand that Tony Coelho is more important than he will ever know. I think that's more important. he was more important than he will ever realize because he hears from so many people. But I think the impact that Tony makes is from the people that he has not uh, not talk to ever. There are millions of people who are benefiting because of Tony's leadership. And Tony, I know you said your ministry, you know, touches, uh, touches you deeply. You are really sincere about that, but your ministry touches and saves lives. And, and I, I want to say your ministry is a ministry of service. And I just want to say thank you to you for your willingness to serve because you've done that in public life, but you've also done it in your private life. You've always been willing to serve on national boards of directors, um, as a volunteer, uh, just as in, in the kind of the background as needed. You've made so many things happen for so many people, and your ministry of service will be your legacy uh, for a long time. But the last thing I want to say is you have more to do. And so I just want to say thank you for your continued willingness to serve because there's much more that you can do, and I know you are well aware <laughs> that you're, you're very much needed in the disability community, and I just want to say thank you, and I love you. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate those comments very much. Thank I, you, Phil. Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate George. it. Thank and you, happy holidays to you also. Same to you, you know, Tana, uh, thanks, Phil. You, you know, just like Donna... Uh, there are so many people because of their own personal experience have dedicated you know, their life to helping people uh, living with epilepsy um, and, and have done so much grassroots work right out there in the community. Uh, so uh, it always changes you when it's something personal. That's just how it is. It always does. Joyce, I'd like to say something, although I... I don't want people to get the impression that uh, I'm this magical person in regards to mentoring and so forth. I have failed, too. Um, I have, I still, it still hurts me today. I mentored a a young man for for 10 years who um, I thought was getting better, but because of the bullying and the stigma, um, he committed suicide under waterfall in Connecticut. And that still haunts me to this day that I couldn't save him. Um, but um, it is true. All you can do is try and, and uh, do what you can, but um, you will fail uh, at times, and I have. Well, you may have, but let me tell you, you've succeeded more than you've failed. That is a fact. And with that, I think we have another caller on the line Chris, are you on the line? I am. Hi. Hello, Chris Griffin. How are you? I'm hey. fine, Trace Bender. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you for calling Hi, in. Tony. Oh, no, I wanted to call in. I wanted to thank you for all you have done for our community. I, it's, you know, we could probably spend several hours on uh, on the show talking about all the things that you've done, but just the work you've done most recently um, with the election and, and, you know, always with the mind towards advancing the rights of people with disabilities. So thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate that very much, Chris. And, Chris, 
I also want to thank you for everything you've done uh, because uh, I, I know you. Uh, Chris is a friend. I think so highly of her. Um, and just as I said about Tony, you know, she doesn't just talk about it. She does it, and I know that for a fact. Um, and she is just the best of the best. And thank you for taking time to call in. Well, I just want you to know I learned a lot of that from both of you, but especially Tony. So thanks for everything you've done for me personally and, and for the community. Chris, I just want uh, Joyce's listeners to know um, just how much you have done, though. Um, the EEOC, Equal Opportunity uh, Commission, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, uh, Deputy Director of uh, Office of Personnel Management, uh, Assistant Secretary of Health for the State of Massachusetts, and heading up uh, the uh, Disability Rights Organization in Boston. And with your own personal struggles and so forth, you uh, continue to succeed and, and help in, in a tremendous, tremendous voice in the disability community. And we love you for that. So. I appreciate it. All right. You. Well, I love you, too. So thank you both for all you do. And, and I'm glad that, that we still get to do more. It might be a little more challenging, but we'll continue. We will, we will soldier on. Yes, <laughs> That's yes. right. We'll fight the fight. Right, Chris? Yes, all yes right. we will. <laughs> thank Thanks, you. Chris. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. You know, Tony, normally, uh, as you know, there is a quote at the end of every show, but so many people are calling in, uh, and this quote is so important to me because it just so much reminds me of you and what you've done with your life that I'm, I'm going to read it right now because um, I want everyone listening to the show uh, to know that this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, to me, just says so much about Tony, and that is, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is succeeding. And Tony, there are many lives, not one life. So every time I see that quote, I think of you, and um, I've got so many of your fans calling in here, I wanted to make sure I got to tell you that before the show ends. So that is you, Tony. That is you. Thank you very much. Uh, Tony, I want to ask you a question. How about this marijuana situation? How do you feel about that um, as a treatment for epilepsy? Well, Joyce, um, I am very pro-medical uh, marijuana uh, for epilepsy, but I'm very pro-alternatives uh, that help out individuals with epilepsy. I have been for years and years, um, and our own... Uh, uh, epilepsy organizations haven't been there, but basically they're now. I was strong advocate of the National Foundation to to accept uh, medical marijuana and to push for it, and I've been very involved in in California and, and Baltimore and a few other states, uh, uh, Maryland, and a few other states in regards to uh, approve, approving medical marijuana for uh, epilepsy. Um, the the Indications are is that it's had a tremendous impact on the number of seizures, uh, particularly for young people. Uh, you know, what people don't really appreciate and understand is that some young folks end up with uh, 20, 30, 50 seizures a day, and medical marijuana cuts that down dramatically. Now, think about um, you as a parent, and your child is having 20, 30, 50 seizures a day. What does that do to your quality of life as a parent, as an individual? Think about the individual who's having 20, 30, 50 seizures a day. What does that do to their quality of life? And if there is something that brings down the number of seizures, that increases the quality of life for that individual, but it also increases the quality of life for the family. And so medical marijuana, I don't know, exactly what does it, but it has in many, many, many cases uh, been a lifesaver for families and for the individuals who suffer from epilepsy and seizures. So I'm a big proponent of 
of that, but I'm also a big proponent of alternative diets. Anything that works for us and enhances our individual quality of life and the quality of life of our families, we all must support and, and try to help make it happen. And so that's why I'm so aggressive in regards to medical marijuana. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think people, unless your child has epilepsy or you know someone with epilepsy or you're living with epilepsy, try to imagine what Tony said, having 20 or 50 more seizures a day, your child. And if you know that this medical marijuana could help, why the heck would you think that's wrong is beyond me? Or as Tony said, any other um, method that you could use uh, because bo- I always tell this, one seizure, just one, a year is too many, let alone people having, you know, multiple seizures in a day. Um, so, you know, I hope everyone will get behind that. Tony, you've done so much for young people. And as you know, many young people have obstacles who live with epilepsy due to stigma and bullying and trying to get a job and dating and a social life. Um, what, what advice do you have for any young person with epilepsy listening to this show right now? Well, Joyce, um, I'm involved in, in mentoring um, several young people right now who have uh, epilepsy and and struggling with what they can do and can't do and how to just live everyday life um, and what that means, the fear that they have. Uh, of What does it mean for them growing up? Uh, what does it mean to them as far as a future for a job or, or to date or to end up uh, uh, in a relationship? Uh, and what does all that mean and what uh, happens to you and so forth? And I'm very open with them and discuss with them um, whatever it is that they bring up and, and very honest about the pros and cons. And I, I don't sugarcoat it. I tell them exactly what uh, I've been through uh, in everyday life as, as I continue to have my seizures. And so I think what's most important uh, for young people is to um, ask the right questions, uh, uh, get the truth. Make sure that you're not just uh, out there wondering uh, what is going to happen. Talk to somebody um, and let somebody sort of explain to you uh, what are the trials and tribulations you're going to face. Because if you know what they are, then you can be prepared to handle them. If you don't know what they are, it's going to be staggering to you and you're going to question and you're going to doubt and so forth. So the most important thing is to Ask questions, get advice, go to youth camps, uh, go to the uh, Epilepsy Foundation affiliate meetings. I met a young man at the meeting in, in uh, uh, eastern Pennsylvania not uh, about a year ago, and he and his mother were there, and uh, I was talking and so forth, and they were asking questions, and he asked a question, and he asked a question about uh, his family, and his mother sitting there, and and I said, well, I bet what you're doing is you're telling me that your mother uh, overloves you. And he started laughing, and so did his mother. And so we started talking about that. And that young man I'm now mentoring, and I got him involved in, in uh, uh, advocating, and he got involved and volunteered at the Democratic Convention, working with the disability community uh, at the convention, and is now going to do... Uh, the Innocence Project, uh, which is, you know, helping people who are falsely uh, imprisoned. And this kid now is so positive about what's going on, but he asks all the questions. And so that's what I would tell young people all the time. Don't, don't be afraid to ask. The worst thing you can do is not ask. Um, and the other thing you have to ultimately do is at some point say that you love yourself. Um, and that was a hard thing for me to do. It's a hard thing for anybody to do. Uh, but if you're, if you're struggling with your seizures, if you're struggling with your epilepsy, you've got to talk to people. You've got to talk to yourself. I always advise people that have a disability, particularly with epilepsy, to go to a mirror and start talking to that person in the mirror because uh, that person in the mirror is the only one you'll ever come across 
who knows exactly if you're lying or if you're not uh, being honest or whatever. And if you talk to that person, not just look at that person, if you actually physically talk to that person, you can answer a lot of questions about yourself. And ultimately, if you do that, you'll get to like that person. And that is really so, so important for particularly young people to come to terms with their epilepsy and to come to terms with themselves. Yeah, and you know what? I like that part you said about um, believing in yourself. I would have to say, Tony, that without that, you know, you wouldn't get anywhere after all. That's what did it for you when you saw those kids on the merry-go-round. Right. No, that's exactly right. I mean, it, you, you, can, you can have your medication, you can have whatever it is, but if internally you don't believe in yourself, uh, you're never going to be able to succeed, and you've got to come to the point where you believe in yourself and you uh, uh, like yourself and so forth. That's, that's critical in my view. Well, Tony, um, if you had to leave a message with our listeners today, what would it be? Well, it would be uh, two things, one in regards to uh, epilepsy, but one in regards to disabilities uh, in general. And that is, uh, look at, uh, if you know of somebody with a disability or if you have a disability yourself, um, it is so important to um, reach out and um, and support, um, but also to make the person with a disability or with epilepsy to be included, to make them feel like they are part of whatever you're doing, um, so they're not excluded and shoved aside. Um, make them uh, realize that you're interested in them and what they think, um, so that. Uh, they can become um, um, uh, better people as a result of it. But if, you're, if you have epilepsy, if you have a disability, you can't hide. Uh, it's important for you to reach out. It's important for you to talk to, uh, to others. Uh, and I always believe strongly that if, if you have epilepsy, the most important thing is for you to talk to somebody else who has epilepsy. And if you're a young person talking to another young person who has epilepsy. And you'll become fast friends, and you'll be able to share uh, thoughts and concerns with each other that you wouldn't with anybody else. Uh, that's really, really important. Yeah, it is. Because the more people you talk to that also have epilepsy, it just, it, it's like, I call it the epilepsy club. But it, it is, it just changes it because all of a sudden you're not alone and all of a sudden there are other people you can talk to. That's why I would suggest, uh, if you're listening to this show, a young person, find out who the affiliate is in your state. All you have to do is go to epilepsyfoundation.org, look it up, and... Um, you know, go visit them because they have a lot of programs and camps and all kind of activities. And the more people you get involved with, the more that it's going to help you. No doubt about it. Tony, thank you so much for taking your valuable time to spend with us today uh, on the show. Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate it very much. Love you for all you do. Thank you. Well, well before you go, I'm going to read that quote again because it's so much Tony Quello. To know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is succeeding, says Ralph Waldo Emerson. Tony, you succeeded. Thank you, This Joyce. is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.